an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Second hour of the Lombardi line is presented by BetMGM as we welcome you back to the program. Stormy Bonantoni live at Circa Resort and Casino. Michael Lombardi out on the East Coast at his office in Jersey. And this is the hour of Michael and Mike because professional handicapper Mike Somich is going to join us. There's about 15 minutes. I'm not sure what plays he has yet, but I have a sneaking suspicion we're not going to get CFL like we did with our guy Will Hill a little bit earlier in the program. And then the one and only Mike Palm, VP of Operations here at Circa, will be on the desk for the last half hour, get a little palms pressing three with Michael Lombardi in there. But where we will start here in our opening block here for the second hour is no way or no doubt run the open. Do you disagree with these takes? No way. Do you approve? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt, my mind. No diggity, no doubt. It's time to ask Michael Lombardi. No way or no doubt. All right, Michael. Stefan Diggs. A lot going on out there in <coughs> Buffalo right now. Bless you, sir. I um, got the sneeze out of the way. You know, nobody says no doubt better than if you've ever watched The Wire, Omar. I have Says I it probably as well as anybody. Can you give me a little flavor of how Omar says it? I don't know. I mean, oh, that you know, he was in court and 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 it was the season one, and they were and he was testifying against the drug dealers, even though he's a even though he steals from the drug dealers, you know, and and he just Michael Williams, the actor, just plays it perfectly, and he says no doubt. So every time I hear no way or no doubt, I I think of the wire in that scene. It's tremendous. Elliot just told me, actually, in that open, Omar is one of the voices that's saying no doubt. I thought so that... it was. That's what made me think it. I thought <laughs> it go. was. There you go. It all comes together. Love it when a plan comes together. That is one, though. Femi told me I need to see The Wire, too. So maybe I'm just like the odd oh man gosh, out here. Please. I'll get it. it, it get on it's board. mandatory. It, it's a mandatory. It's one of the greatest shows I've ever watched. Well, I'm a Sopranos girl. I didn't know I had more me shows too. that I had to watch to get on the Lombardi line. Me, too. But level, The Wire's. But... The Wire's. <laughs> 
All right. So good. Good stuff. Well, let's get it rolling with No Way or No Doubt. Like I mentioned, Stefan Diggs, a lot going on with him as it pertains to the Buffalo Bills right now. He wasn't there for day one. Showed up yesterday, the back and forth with McDermott saying he's very concerned, but actually it's an excused absence. Neither here nor there. If you are a Bills fan or backer, should you be worried? No way or no doubt you should be worried that Stefan Diggs and McDermott's relationship is headed in a weird direction in 2023. Uh, to quote Omar, I would say no doubt you should be worried. I, I don't like the vibe coming out of this, and, and I don't like what's going on. McDermott took the play calling away from Leslie Frazier. Leslie Frazier had to stand up there and take the 13-second play call. You know, in Kansas City, it got, took a lot of heat for that, when in reality that was also McDermott who did that. So there's a lot of internal combustion going on within that place. I don't know. You know, remember Ken Dorsey last year when he went berserk in the press box in Miami? Like, he just literally, like, went absolutely almost almost broke a glass. I've never seen a coach behave like that other than uh, Bob Stoops' brother, uh, whatever, Mark Stoops, I think, whatever one it is. It's not the coach at Kentucky. It's the other one. Just go completely berserk in the press box. So, I don't like the vibe I'm feeling out of there. And what gives it a little bit more credence, as I mentioned to you earlier in the show, is the book's not buying it either. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, here's a team that that really is bringing back most of their team, even though they're older, right? They, they should they should have that vibe, but they don't they're not physical. They're they're not able to really that Cincinnati game left a bad taste, even the Miami game. So no doubt it should worry you. And so now it comes back to me, Stormy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. You get to play this role, too, here. So Elliot teed one up for you. Okay. The Golden Knights are 12 to one on being on on being the champions again next year. Do you think this is being a little disrespectful in the market for next year? I'll say no doubt. I was very surprised when I looked at the 12 odds board. to one. Wow. Yeah, I saw them. They're fifth or sixth on the odd, odds board, depending on your book. But it also doesn't surprise me. So while. I say, no doubt, yes, they're being disrespected. It doesn't surprise me because we saw that all of this year going into the postseason as well. They were the top seed in the Western Conference, and people had them losing in five to Winnipeg round one. Obviously, that happened in the complete opposite fashion. They got their captain back even for the postseason. Still, people were doubting them. I looked at their um, roster here, too, going into next year, and they have so much coming back, like Stone, William Carlson, and Eichel are all have multiple years ahead. Marcia So and Chandler Stevenson are both under contract through next season. Their whole decor is as well. Yes, Barbashev and the goaltenders in terms of depth are unrestricted and restricted free agents, but... I feel like with everything that they have coming back to be the third choice in the Western Conference was surprising to me. Like, I know that it's hard to repeat in anything, but the Denver Nuggets just won, and they were disrespected all the way along the way, and they're the favorites to win next year in the NBA. So just a little bit surprising to me, given what they have coming back. I think this is the greatest thing for the coach, though, because it, it gives you a chance to get everybody off the we're the greatest, right? You want that disrespect in the offseason after you won a title because it gives you a chance to then say, look, nobody ble- you can play the nobody believes in us card, mm-hmm. which is a powerful card to play in terms of motivation. Mm-hmm. The uh, Colorado Avalanche up there as your favorites to get back in the driver's seat to win a Stanley Cup. Okay, let's go back to the NFL, Michael, because we're talking some quarterbacks here. Joe Burrow at the Bengals mandatory minicamp was asked by a reporter, who's the best quarterback in the NFL? Here's what he had to say. I don't think there's any argument right now. It's Pat. Tell somebody 
until somebody has a better year than, than he's had, uh, he's the one to knock off. Asked about the number one player in the NFL, with very little hesitation, you said Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Everybody knows that, yeah. That's <laughs> easy. MVP. He said Pat. Who said Pat? Joe. Pat who? <laughs> <laughs> That second voice you heard there, of course, Jamar Chase. But no way or no doubt, Michael, Burrow is right to admit Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. No doubt. Because, see, what Burrow is telling you by his answer is he measures championships by greatness. He doesn't measure stats by greatness like some other athletes do. And so for him, he knows the only way to dethrone Mahomes from his chair from his position is to win a title mm -hmm. that knocks him out. It's a little bit Mahomes carries the championship belt around his waist. And until a team can beat him until, until Burrow dethrones him, he can't see it that way because Burrow is the ultimate team player. He understands that winning matters more than anything. I love the answer. Yep. I love the answer. It's the right answer. You know, it's the right answer because winning matters more than anything. When Elliot and I were going through these earlier, that was the exact same thing that I said. I, I, I love it because it shows that he is a competitor and it shows that Patrick Mahomes is the one winning championships. I haven't done that yet. So is there is Joe Burrow a quarterback that is on his way to catching Mahomes? I think certainly, but you got to have that ring. You got to have that Lombardi trophy I mean, in order to put yourself in that conversation. I mean, we've got an idiot back here in Philadelphia. Uh, uh, I think his last name's Parks. He's a media guy here. I mean, literally, I mean, he literally went on Twitter and said that, you know, the, the Nuggets championship is meaningless, that Embiid's still the best player in the league. I mean, the, I mean, like, so, this is, <laughs> the mindset this is what's wrong this is completely what this guy has a voice are you kidding me some people like, just gotta stay off up. the mic get off twitter get off social just stop talking at some point right <laughs> like what are we doing? shut up right <laughs> hey the nuggets winning a championship is why we do this Playing a game of no way or no doubt here speaking of philly let's go to a former eagles quarterback and carson wentz According to Adam Schefter, Wentz has been spending some time in Tampa. He's been throwing and studying film with former NFL head coach John Gruden, who we talked about also recently working with Derek Carr. Wentz wants and intends to play this season and is just awaiting the right situation. No way or no doubt, Michael, Carson Wentz will be on an NFL roster this year. Well, I think there's no doubt he will be because of injuries, but there's no way that this, this working out with John Gruden is going to entice teams to want to sign him because of the experience that he had in Indianapolis and then back in Washington where he, for working out is great. And building your relationship with your teammates is another thing. And making great decisions on the football field are different than working out. And so to me, his tape the last two years, and look, I, I love the player. I was in love with after the 17th season. I know he got hurt in Los Angeles at the Coliseum, and the Eagles went on to win the title with Nick Foles. But I thought he was the MVP of the league up until that point. I thought he was great. But what he's done since then with the mistakes with the football, with his inability to connect with his teammates, has just mm -hmm. been anything you don't want at a quarterback. That being said, there's no doubt he will be because, let's face it, I mean – you know, Josh Johnson keeps getting jobs, and he's been on 47 teams in the league. I mean, you run out of quarterbacks, so eventually someone's going to call him. Yeah, he's just like, to me, he's just not your ideal backup, though, because when you're 
like watching a practice and you're a media guy, you're thinking, oh my gosh, this guy's incredible. He's slinging it. He's making all these throws. And then once the actual game portion comes, he's not that guy. You mentioned the personality stuff off of the field and dealing with your teammates. And, you know, I heard, honestly, the comp to Cam Newton, hear me out. I heard this somewhere else, but I thought it was interesting. The sense that he's yet to accept that he's a backup quarterback in the NFL. Like, do you agree with that thought process that if you can't accept that role, it's going to be hard to find a spot for you? No, I think what Cam, the problem is Cam's an alpha male. So when he walks in the room, everybody tends to follow him. And so, you know, you have him in there, even if he's not a starter, that, that could disconnect your locker room. But I think your mindset as an athlete has to be, I'm going to start. I'm going to compete. I mean, Kirk Warner, when he went to the Arizona Cardinals, that was his mindset. He wasn't Matt Leinert was, and eventually he became that. You have to have that mindset if you want to be great at this. But you got to fit within the framework of the team. You can't dominate the team if you're just a backup. I'm curious how things are going to work out with him. Um, you know, he had his best buddy in Frank Reich, and that didn't go well. Washington's felt like an opportunity for him to show what he could do, and then it just didn't end up panning out. We have to take a break as the hour of Michael and Mike rolls on. Mike Somich is coming up next, professional handicapper. Joining the program, this is the Lombardi Line on Beeson the Sports Betting Network. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, Creighton, you know, watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? The whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.
This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com and check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game? Well, the betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all of the action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits, another way vcin's here to make you a smarter, better year-round. You can check out those betting splits for every game at vcin.com. The U.S. Open underway out there at the Los Angeles Country Club. First time the LACC has played host to a major championship. And while there's not a lot of course history available, I mean, really any for those of us that were trying to bet this tournament coming into it, we are very fortunate, Michael, that we are bringing in somebody who has played it has experience out there at the LACC. Welcome in Mike Samich, professional handicapper at Samabomb18. How'd you do out there, my friend? And also, how'd you get out there? Who do you know? I actually can't hear you, Stormy. So I'm going to try and just wing it here a little bit. Uh, so I've actually played LACC. I know you guys wanted to start there with the U.S. Open. I was fortunate enough to play there about four years ago. Um, and it is, it's this kind of crazy course. So you have four par threes that I think are some of the toughest par threes I've ever played in my life. You've got one that can play as short as 80 yards and two that are playing close to, uh, one that plays 280 another that plays 290. So the par three play, I think is going to be really interesting this year. And the course is super unique. A, a lot of people who don't live in LA don't necessarily know about LACC. It was a very, very exclusive course for years and years. So a lot of people know about the Riv Riviera that you could play on. It would tough to get on, but possible. LACC didn't allow corporate events. They didn't allow uh, major PGA tournaments for a long time. So it's, it was kind of a hidden gem there on Wilshire in Beverly Hills. The second shot is so important at this course as well. So if you can get out there, you can get in the fairway. You can then try and make a move to get to the green. But the approach shots, a lot of them are blind landings. It can make it a lot more difficult, especially if you haven't played the course much. I was a 12 handicap and I played. I shot a 102. So I was not overly excited about that score. Uh, but again, if you play it more times, I think you can kind of understand the landing spots. And I think we're going to see some pretty good scores this week as well, especially on the U.S. Open scale. Uh, we're still right in the middle of June gloom out here in California. And if you remember the memorial a couple weeks back, it got so tough later in the day because those greens would dry out. The wind would blow them through. The sun would really soak up the water. You're not going to see that. This is going to be a pretty playable course. So it's going to be all about the approach shot and how some golfers are able to get into the green and get close in the par threes. Those to me are going to be the two keys. So it's the approach and the par three is going to make the difference here in the U.S. Open. Mike, I hope you can hear me because uh, when you break down this course, having walked around it and been there, it, will this be a typical U.S. Open rough course? And will it be like we saw at the PGA in Rochester with the heavy rough and hard to advance the ball once you land in there? They're definitely going to grow it out for this course. It's, it's not as big of a course as a lot of other places because it is in the middle of Los Angeles and on Wilshire it makes it much more difficult to have the same size of the course as you see in some of these other places. So they're going to try and make the rough as tough as possible. The bunker placement, I specifically remember, was wildly difficult. I was there for a corporate event, and so you had the option of throwing the ball over your shoulder to get out of the bunker instead of hitting it. That made life so much easier for us because <laughs> the bunkers are absolutely treacherous here. And that par three that I mentioned, that that can be as short as 80 yards, there's a bunker in the front, there's a bunker in the back, and if you play to the middle of the green, there's just a monstrous slope, and you're going to end up with a 40-footer that's either screaming downhill or straight uphill. 
it's going to be a really, really tough course to manage for some of the players. I would have loved to know what they shot in the practice rounds because I think that would have been a great way to handicap it. You're definitely going to see some horses for courses here for people that specifically like playing here. Other people are going to really struggle. So I don't think you're going to see any wild swings once we get this thing going. I love the videos, too, of just like you drop the ball in the rough and it completely disappears. It's it's that time of year now that we're getting. But I, I wanted to ask you, we talked about the exclusivity of the LACC. How did you get on the course in the first place? I was actually the first corporate event they ever hosted. I think it was in 2018. It was for Dell Technologies. Awesome. So I worked in the in the technology world for a while in tech sales. Uh, and Dell was one of the first ones to get there. It was after they announced they were going to get the U.S. Open. And it was wild going in there because you walk in there and you walk into the locker room and there's 120 lockers. And some of them have been shared by multiple people. And you're looking at like heads of businesses, presidents' names, just the names that you go down are just wild. I was next to uh, Barack Obama's locker in there. That's the <laughs> level of ex- exclusivity you have. We also had to give up our cell phones when we walked into the clubhouse. So you had to give them your cell phones. You couldn't take any pictures, nothing because of how exclusive this specific course is. So it's kind of being introduced to the public in a way this week because it's just not one that a lot of people have seen or been able to play. Thomas, you're so big time. Yeah, yeah not it. quite. I love it. So, so Mike, t- tell me, you, you like Dustin Johnson. So do you feel like his game suits this course perfectly? I think it plays well to the course. He should be able to keep it, uh, be able to keep it in the fairway. His second approach shot, fairly good, very good putter, which I think matters on this course as well. But also, to me, it's more of a pricing thing than anything else. When I look at someone like Dustin Johnson, who is an elite golfer, heads over to the Live Tour. We've seen the Live guys have success here in the majors, and Dustin Johnson sitting on the board at twenty-eight to one just seems like an overlay to me there. So I took a little piece of him at twenty-eight to one. He just won the last Live event, so you know he's playing well here. And these guys are getting forgotten on the odds boards. Even Brooks, when he won the last major, he was not as short as I would have expected. Now he's one of the favorites after winning that. But I'm willing to take a little bit of a shot with a guy down the board there on Dustin Johnson, see if we can get a 28 to one shot home. For people that are interested in, you know, getting on board throughout the course of the tournament, are there specific things that you're going to be looking for in round one or in round two to buy in on a player as things go? Uh, it's all about the iron shots to me. If, if I see someone who's really hitting their irons well and under control with their irons and placing the ball well, that's what's going to make a difference because you're going to have to go to, I'm guessing you're going to see 11 or 12 under as the winning score, which is much lower than you wow. generally see at U.S. Opens. And it's because, look, this course is scorable if the greens are willing to take the ball in, right? And that's what you're going to see with the current weather that we have in Los Angeles, in California with this gloom. I think you're going to see some players be able to go pretty low here. And if that is the case, it's going to be all about the approach shot and the iron shot. So anyone who's hitting the irons well, I think, have an advantage this week because you're going to have to put it close if you want to putt. And you're going to be able to get it close, considering how the greens are going to accept the ball this week. So I, I think it's all about how people are hitting the irons over these first couple of days. And what player would you involve? What top player do you think it doesn't fit this course, Mike? Oh, man, right now for me, it would be someone like, you know, Jordan Spieth, I think is a good fit for it. Uh, uh, Hovland, I think is a good fit for it. But if I'm looking for someone to fade, I mean, like DeChambeau, I don't love his game for this course specifically because he's not necessarily as accurate. Um, So he would be one that I would be fading away from. Uh, I have a Hovland ticket. Unfortunately, he has not started out wonderfully. He's two over through eight, I believe, right now. I got him at 25 to one. He would be someone I'd be willing to get back into if you can get a bigger price because, again, with the way he's been playing and hitting his irons, he's someone who I think can score here fairly well. So it's all about the iron striking to me. And, and those those are the guys I'm focusing on, the guys who 
don't necessarily approach very well are the ones I'm going to try and stray away from. Um, there are nine games still to come in Major League Baseball today, and I know you're invested in this card. One game in action right now, the Orioles up one nothing on the Blue Jays uh, after the first inning. But as far as the rest of the card goes tonight, what stood out to you and, and any specific plays that you really, really like? Yeah, I mean, there were two that jumped out to me right away. The first one where I think the favorite is just wrong. You've got Logan Allen on the hill here for the Cleveland Guardians. I think they've got a pretty big edge over the Padres. Weathers pitching for the Padres here. The Padres still seem to be priced as one of the better teams in baseball, and they are not one of the better teams in baseball right now. It's just that simple. So I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take the Guardians here at plus 115 with Logan Allen. I think that makes a ton of sense. And then let's go to this Philly Arizona game. Uh, the total is sitting at nine. I like the over here. Arizona's been consistently hitting the ball. They put up five plus runs, and I believe it's eight of their last ten games. You've got Nola on the bump for Philadelphia. He had a good start two back. But that was against Detroit's offense. Detroit's offense isn't very good. And then you go over and you look at the Arizona side. Uh, they don't have a pitcher on the mound today who consistently has been able to shut teams down. And again, his best outings have been against lower tier offenses in the majors. You got two teams that are hitting the ball well right now in a park that the ball likes to fly out of. Uh, so we got a hitter's park with two pitchers who I think are willing to give up some runs here. So give me the over nine total in that Philly Arizona game as well. Yeah, Mike, this is kind of a quiet time. We know we have the NBA draft. It's mostly all baseball. What will you focus on as you move forward up until we get to the preseason games? I'm going to be pretty heavy into baseball, which is interesting for me. I actually have not been a huge baseball guy, uh, but this year over the last four weeks, I've actually really enjoyed betting baseball. Uh, and to me, you got to kind of adjust your strategy when you're betting baseball. When I'm playing the NFL, I'm looking at two or three games that I am playing for a variant amount of units. So when I'm betting, I'm betting between one and 5% of my bankroll. And, and on any given Sunday, I'll have usually, you know, let's say a three, four or 5% game. I'll have a couple 2% games, maybe some 1% games with baseball. I'm looking to play four, five, six, seven, eight games, but I'm not playing any of them over 2%. So for me, it's much more about trying to create a, a, an overall value set of baseball games, playing them for low money and just trying to consistently find dogs that are playable and using those over the summer. So it's going to be a lot of baseball for me moving forward here. Bringing in a strategic mindset. Mike, thank you so much Love for doing it. this. Thanks, oh, Mike. Of course. Great it's work. Thanks, me. Mike. That's Got our... that one for you when I was hey, in Vegas last week. yes, let's go. <laughs> go Knights, go. For anybody that wasn't watching us on the, the stream feed, Vegas Golden Knights hat. Fast and Furious. You'll love to see it. Also, I'm impressed by him shooting uh, the 100 at the LACC because I probably would have... Uh, how, I just put a happy face or a sad face on my scorecard these days. It's been rough. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSIN, the sports betting network. Become a smarter, better with a VSIN Pro subscription for a limited time. Sign up, just $9.99. That'll get you full access to everything we do here at VSIN. That's daily pro picks on all the summer action, which includes NFL and college football futures. We got premium analysis from our team of top handicappers and industry experts, 24-7 video access, and pro tools like our exclusive betting splits showing you where the public and chart money is going to give you that edge. Don't miss out. Our lowest intro price of the year, again, $9.99. Visit vcin.com slash subscribe to sign up. Welcome back to the Lombardi line on vcin, the sports betting network. Michael Lombardi out on the East Coast. I'm Stormy Tony here at Circa Resort and Casino, where we welcome in the one and only VP of operations here, Mike Palm. Does great stuff here at VSIN. I know you were on the air with us, followed the money earlier today. Um, 
what's been going on? How crazy has it been with the Stanley Cup being raised in the Circus Sports patch on all those jerseys? Yeah, it's really quite something, Stormy. The team that you covered uh, earlier in your career lifted the cup, and um, it was quite a scene here, throughout, really throughout the whole playoff yeah. with all the watch parties, but especially uh, Tuesday night with the champagne showers at Mega Bar and, and, and at Stadium Swim, and then Derek and the crew, they uh, they stayed out all night. They went to Omnia to to be with the Knights in the Stanley Cup. So we're, we're hoping uh, and planning with them to have a day where they bring the cup here soon and do an event at Stadium Swim and at Legacy Club. Um, so I know these guys got to catch a little bit of a breath, the parade Saturday night, but they're making a lot of appearances around town right now. Yeah, plus the season starts next week in hockey. You know yeah. how that mm -hmm. goes, Mike. I mean, they they come right back to start the season after a week off, you know. So I, I read in in the great Bill 80s newsletter, Derek Stevens' quote, that, that basically the circuit took a beating on this mm -hmm. win. Talk about that. Yeah, the, the future book was, was not kind. The, the difference between what we would have won had Florida won the cup versus what we lost with the Knights winning the cup was seven figures. Um. Plus, we got pounded in games one, two, and, and, and five. Because when it's nights and over and puck yeah. line, you just can't avoid it. So well, The exact verbiage I see from Derek was, we got the living bleep kicked out of us. Yeah, so. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I didn't want to say that, Stormy. Thank yeah. you. Anytime, anything I'm, for you, Michael. I'm not sure what time of the day he gave that quote. I know <laughs> Bill lurked around, uh, and I don't even know if he went down. I don't, he was around at all times, tagging along through this whole journey. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure... There were other books, stations with a lot of local players. And I, I know um, John Murray and Jay Cornegay made a point that they, they lost a lot less than they thought they might have. Tony Miller at the Nuggets said that they won to the Knights, actually. So then you have to weigh in how, how much exposure did we get. I mean, the games, to me, the Game 6 Western Conference Finals in Dallas, when we had the official watch party and ESPN did four cutaways to Stadium Swim during that game, now, TNT didn't have any crew here at Stadium Swim, so we didn't get any cutaways. But Steve Levy was great for us. Then winning on home ice and with the patch and all the pictures with the Circus Sports patch on it, how much is that worth in the long term? Um, obviously, we generated a lot of uh, traffic to the casinos for the watch parties and um, got some new fans that had never been here, and hopefully they like the joint and they'll be back. So there's, you know, you're weighing it all out. Obviously, in the short term, it would have been better for us if they hadn't won the cup but in the long term maybe we come out ahead well and i just think like historically how cool that's got to be that all of these pictures that i mean first in franchise history for this team in this city like those are going to just be emblazoned forever and then also as somebody who's been here and like worked in the industry for as as long as you have to see vegas being a championship town like this obviously the aces got it done last year but now in the four major professional men's sports to have the golden knights at las vegas a champion on the world stage i couldn't find a person that i talked to that thought that there was any chance they could lose tuesday night i mean everybody was just convinced and planning their what did part. you guys finally close at i mean you could have got i think 175 or 173 on, and it, it didn't deter anybody i mean that price is out of line it was 140 at home and, and they were a dog on the road you sort of saw it in game four. We opened Florida $1.19 favorite after they won game three where they came back and scored the extra attacker goal, and it ended up closing Knights 120. I mean, so it was just a runaway of action. It's, there's such a difference to have a, a, a homegrown team like this to, as opposed to a transplant team like the Raiders, even though it's the NFL, or you know, it looks like the A's will be coming with the legislature passing that bond. 
Um, it's just a, a difference. And and the way the franchise started, you know, you go win the game on the road in, in Dallas, and then, you know, three days later, you have the tragedy of 10-1, and then that opening scene, you know, I was there, you were there, that opening night with all those names of the people that had passed at the time. Of course, there were more. And all the first responders and the way the community came together at the same time this team was born, it's really something special. And they're really ingrained in the fabric. Plus, they're all good actors. You know, you find that in hockey, maybe more than other sports, Michael, where all these guys are good actors. They do a lot of work in the community, really no issues at all. Um, a great ownership with Bill Foley and the partnership he's made. And they really embrace the community. Um, so, it, I mean, my son was so excited. You know, he th he thinks he's going to be a golden. He's convinced he's going to be a golden knight. He said to me the other day, he said, "Do I get to pick my team then, or do they pick me?" And I said, "Well, you know, when you if you're good enough to get drafted, the team's going to pick you. And if you get through your first contact contract, it depends. You might be able to pick them. But let's focus on your schoolwork right now." When we were in <laughs> New York City, Michael, for our trip, he kept telling everybody when we would leave a certain place, "I'll see you in 15 years." And, and, and they'd say, what do you mean? And he says, well, when I'm playing for the Knights, when I either play the Rangers or the Islanders, I'll be oh. back to New York in 15 years. You know? and if, you got to love that. Michael, you know, if, I, pe I if, people, if people aren't laughing at your dreams, your dreams aren't big enough. That's right. You know, and I, what I thought the point was that he said the draft, you know, doing research, you know, I don't know hockey like Stormy and you do, mm -hmm. but I, I want to ask you this question. The way they set up that expansion draft, which really gave the Vegas Knights this great opportunity, you know, and the way teams were saying to the Vegas Knights, if you will trade you this, if you don't take these guys, the Knights made such an advantage over that. Do you ever think that's going to happen again in expansion drafts? Well, they've changed the rules. Everybody was so outraged because they made the finals the first year. But I, but look, Michael, there's five other teams in the major sports that have won a championship expansion teams before the Knights did. So, I mean, everybody thought this can't be. It's unfair. But the Bucks, the, the Milwaukee Bucks did it in, in three years. The Oilers did it in five years in, in 84. Um, the Diamondbacks did it. In, in four years, when they won it in 2000, um, the the Ravens in, in 2000, they were, I think, their fourth or fifth year, that expansion team there. And um, the Marlins, who was really the anomaly, all those other teams had these big superstars, right? You had Gretzky and Messier, and you had Randy Johnson um, and Schilling, and, of course, Ray Lewis, and maybe the best defense of all time, and a young Kareem coming up to become a, a dominant player, and then they added Oscar Robertson. That, you know, who, Edgar Renteria? I mean, who was the stars of the, that Florida team? But it's not unprecedented. Here's what is, to me, is more impressive than the fact that they won a Stanley Cup. Been to the final four, four out of six seasons. And the only two times they didn't, last year they didn't make the playoffs. The second year, when they changed the rule because they called a major that was a total mistake and they gave up four goals in the five minutes, they were totally in control of the game in San Jose. They might have made the final four, five out of six years. That's actually one thing that's super <laughs> funny being in the building um, on Tuesday night when it was 7-3 and they'd scored a, scored a couple, you know, whatever, yep. trash goals. There was a woman beside me that said, I have so much PTSD from year two against the San Jose Sharks and all those goals being scored in the five-minute major. That, that, that legitimately, she it's seven to three in the third period, and she's nervous because of the way that things were. So, I, I have uh, PTSD from that same game, too, because it's the day I met Todd Wishnev. At the, at the, it's true. <laughs> Which at, could cause that. Yeah, yes. at the South Point Sportsbook. It was the two game sevens. Remember, Toronto yeah. and Boston played a game seven before it that uh -huh. night. And we both had under, and they scored that goal. 
they scored the the extra goal and nobody knew in the Boston game if it counted if if because it was right at the buzzer and they didn't face off again they just shook hands so different um organizations were reporting different final scores and sports books weren't posting of course we lost when you saw the replay there was 0.2 seconds or whatever but i kept saying they didn't face off again it must have been after the buzzer also another thing that you mentioned about the expansion draft and like everybody always comes with that saying well the rules like made it favorable so that and look at the way that the kraken are performing in the playoffs their second year in existence but also let's not forget that when that team was put together all of the reports were how much they were going to suck. That even with all of the perceived advantages in the expansion draft, the players that they put on the ice, the expectation was they were going to be garbage. So they ended up having a miracle season and came together and played tremendous for a variety of reasons. But they were expected to be bad. Oh. And also what you said about your son, um, the explosion of hockey, I think, in the city because of the team has been enormous. It was incredible. For so, youth. Incredible. So he's in his house league team. And – and the goalie broke their wrist on Saturday at the playground. So they play on Friday, Sunday. So the coach sent an email out and said, does anybody want to try goalie? So I said yes, not even asking him because I knew he would. Oh, and he ended, yeah, he ended up playing you. goalie. I said, don't get beat five hole. He did get, the, re, the scores of these games, Michael, are like 14, 12, 10, 9. They won 18 to 2. He only gave up two goals. And, uh, and he, he was so excited. It, it, was, it was really, really, really great. That's so cute. That's awesome. That's so good. <laughs> but I mean, the way youth hockey has exploded here. There were like 90 players, I think, before that 17th Because season. it's too hot to play the outdoor sports. So it's built. This community's built just like Phoenix was for indoor sports. Yep. And they've added right. more mm -hmm. rinks. I mean, yep. you look at Faith Lutheran mm -hmm. as a high school team here. Yep. So, you know, things are growing. We're going to step aside. But Palms pressing three for Michael Lombardi coming up next on the Lombardi line. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points you can use towards dining shows in hotel rooms over 20 MGM Resorts properties located here on the Las Vegas Strip or nationwide. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions do apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager new and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We are live from downtown Las Vegas at Circa Resort and Casino alongside Michael Lombardi. I'm Stormy Bonantoni, VP of Operations here at Circa. Mike Palm on the desk, and it is time like we do every Thursday here on the show. Palms pressing three. What do we have for Michael today? Number one, Michael, a popular betting prop every year is first coach to be fired. You could probably draw a line through almost half of them. Shanahan, Reed, Tomlin, Peyton, Doug Peterson, Dable, Sirianni, just to name a few. Who are your five hottest seats heading into the season? And who better perform and perform early to cool his seat? I'd list Staley, Stefanski, McCarthy, Salah, and Dennis Allen as my five. But could the best coach in the league up in Foxborough actually be on a hot seat? Or could Buffalo be growing impatient with McDermott not delivering in their perceived window? So, Michael, who are your five hottest seats? Well, I think the hottest seat is Rivera because there is expectations and he's got to get it turned around and there's a new owner. And the new owner is going to come in and collect data and see it. The second one for me would be Stefanski because if this team doesn't start fast and they start to dwindle away, I I think they have no choice but to make a change, even though Stefanski fits the model of what they want to be able to do. Todd Bowles is another one. I think Todd Bowles is going to fall victim of a remodeling or a reconstruction, if you will, and he wasn't there in terms of the head coach, and this is not going to be a very good team. So to me, those three, Staley, the reason I don't have him as the top candidate is because the Spanos family typically doesn't act and behave in that manner. I think part of making this bet also is understanding who the ownership group is. And the reason I led with Rivera is because – he doesn't know this owner and this owner's coming in. And if it starts badly in Washington, which it shouldn't based on the schedule, you know, people are going to look to him to make a move. And most owners want to make the fans happy immediately. Question two, Michael, you could win a quick bar bet. If you ask the average fan to name the starting running backs of the last three Super Bowls, Super Bowl champions, seventh round pick Pacheco and KC last year, followed by whoever the Rams and Bucks rolled out the previous two years. So one could see how the running back position has been devalued from a salary cap and importance pie. However, you always talk about running backs that are, quote, weapons. And Dalvin Cook, Saquon, and Josh Jacobs all fit the bill and are unhappy with their status, Cook being a free agent now. Has the pendulum swung too far, or maybe not? And as a great player as Cook is, having run for 1,000 yards four straight seasons and still relatively in his prime at age 27, is there a team he can put over the top Or does it not even deserve the ink and oxygen it's getting? Well, I definitely think there's a team he could improve significantly, and that would be the Washington Commanders. 
they don't have a back like him. They don't, you know, they don't have someone that can can really. When they had J.D. McKissick, they were a better offensive team, even with Tyler Heineke and no one at quarterback. They were better because he could make someone miss in the open field and run with it. So I do think he would make Washington better. He'd make he'd add to New England's team. I don't know what he would do for Miami because Miami's not interested in running the football. They they were 31st in the league. I think this, though, as it relates to running backs, I think there has to be an evidence of making plays in the passing game, right? McCaffrey's the anomaly because he can play in the slot and he also can run the football like Cook can as well, like Kamara, who makes $11 million. See, the contracts are all based on the receiving element of the game. It's not about can you run. Runners are available. It's what do you do to impact the passing game. Saquon Barkley averaged under seven yards a catch, you know, and he's a really good player. But you need more. I mean, Nick Chubb makes $11 million a year too. Nick Chubb, is there a better running back than Nick Chubb in the league? This is the market, right? And because they have such a short life expectancy in terms of playing, it's hard to get that second contract. That's why we don't see these numbers expand to the level that everybody thinks they should because there's really not a lot of second contracts. These are contracts done after their rookie contract, you know? And so no one pays a running back when he's after 29-30 because he's too old. It gets there. So it's really part of the system as much as it is the analytics. Michael, does, does it make a difference to you at all that these players are coming out and being vocal about saying that they feel that they're undervalued and trying to make the case for guys that are coming up after them as well as getting their own payday? Well, I mean, it's really the it's the law of football, right? So there's just a surplus of running backs and there's nothing that you can do. I mean, Josh Jacobs is a great player, but there's nothing you can do to when when the money is determined by who gets signed. I mean, the owners didn't just arbitrarily say we're only going to pay running backs nine million and that's it. This is collectively bargained by the pool of running backs. McCaffrey being the high number, some other player being the low. They all get dumped in here and here comes the franchise tag. So and then no one wants to extend running backs. You know, the people will extend receivers. They don't extend running backs because they feel like that contract will never be fulfilled. This is a lot about the second contract. You know, your rookie contract, you come in, do you get that big second contract? That's what enhances the pool. Think about it that way. Russell Wilson's money, this was his third or fourth contract. That's how the quarterback numbers keep going up. Final question, Michael. Maybe the most fascinating team for me heading into the summer is the Tennessee Titans whose win total sits at just seven and a half. Two short years ago, they were the number one seed and dominated the Bengals in defeat. Last year, with both hands tied behind their backs and train wreck Malik Willis under center, they took the Super Bowl champs to overtime in Arrowhead and should have beaten everyone's darling Jags, even with Joshua Dobbs. You still have a top three coach in the league in Vrabel. You brought in a new GM who will face pressure to win. Tannehill knows he's on borrowed time with the high pack. High pick invested in Levis. Henry spent the offseason hearing his name in trade rumors. So what are this year's marching orders for this team in a watered-down division that they led really all of last year to Week 17? This team might be the toughest handicap in the league from a win total and week-to-week basis until Levis is inserted and you'll know they waved the white flag on their season. So what are their marching orders and expectations this year? Well, I think knowing Vrabel, their expectations are they're going to win. They want to prepare to win. 
And this is a team that is all about their style, right? Everybody says they don't have a lot of skill. Well, they really don't want they, – they want skill. They need skill. But the way they play, they slow the game down. And they want Henry to dominate. They want him to be the lead back. And they've got this kid Spears from Tulane who gives them a little bit of a change of pace back, which will help also will help Henry. And then they're built on their ability to win the kicking game. I mean, excuse me, win on defense. This defensive front's really good. Their defense can be very good. And they're physical. And they're tough to play. And they don't make mistakes. They don't lose games typically. And if Tannehill can just operate within that framework. Now, what happens if they get behind early in the game, this is not a catch-up team. But they have to play a certain style. And that style lends itself to winning eight, nine, maybe ten games. Because they're not going to make mistakes. They're not going to have penalties. They're not going to turn the ball over. And they're not going to play outside their comfort zone. So I, I don't think you can underestimate them. I don't think this is a complete teardown. I think they're remodeling the team. They're trying to get their cap. Look, they could go to Ryan Tannehill and redo his contract tomorrow. He's at $25 million paragraph five. But they don't want to do that because they want to be able to put themselves in position. They redid their offensive line. They've got Dillard from Philadelphia. They drafted Skronsky from Northwestern. That's the left side of the line. I actually think that they'll be very competitive because for all we talk about, Malik Willis not getting first downs, they had Joshua Dobbs playing quarterback last year for them with a bad offensive line, a lot of guys hurt on defense, and Jacksonville struggled to beat them until they turned to, until they got the strip sack by Josh Allen late in the fourth quarter. I, I just think coaching matters in the league. I wrote about that for, for the VEASAN betting guide. I think you have to take a look at that every single week. They've changed offensive coaches, defensive coaches. I think this will be a surprise team in the sense I don't think they'll win 12 games, but I do think they'll be competitive. Yeah, maybe look at that over 7.5 in the win total as far as the division goes, plus 350, 4-1 odds, various spots. What do you think? Can they be competitive in that division? The Jags obviously a, an, an odds-on favorite right now. Yeah, I like the win total over actually, because I agree with Michael that Brable will play this like it's a playoff team and not like it's in a total rebuild, just trying to get Levis in there by midseason. I like that. The remodel instead of remodel, retool, not a rebuild. It's good verbiage there. Yeah. Michael, awesome stuff as always. Um, I'm out of here. I'm headed to Arizona right now, getting in the car. I'm on my way out, so I'm going to miss the parade, but oh. I hope you get to enjoy everything I this I thought weekend. you were going to be the Grand Master, Grand Marshal. Uh, I thought so, too. Right? If I thought only. this is Stormy's parade. If only. I've had this trip on the books, unfortunately. So for, that's why, again, Michael, that's why I'm saying I'm glad that I bit the bullet and I went to the game instead of sitting in my usual spot on the left side of my couch because I thought uh -huh. I was going to be a jinx. So fortunately... I was I wasn't bad luck and that's all that matters. That's a wrap for today's edition of the Lombardi line. Thanks for hanging out with us. Beeson best bets coming up after this. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 
Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app.